What have you heard about comprehension-based communicative language teaching, CCLT? Is this what you're doing in your classroom? In this episode, I want to unpack exactly what CCLT is and is not. Luckily, there's an incredibly useful chapter on this topic and the newly published book, Honing Our Craft. It gives us all the info we need to answer this question, what is and what is not comprehension-based communicative language teaching? It's actually the title of chapter four. So let's jump in. Are you a language teacher looking for some reassurance that what you're doing in the classroom is on the right track? Or maybe you're looking for some ways to teach even more effectively. If you're one or the other or somewhere in between, you've landed in the right place. This is the World Language Classroom Podcast with your host, me, Joshua Cabral. You're about to get tips, tools, and resources so that your students continue to rise in proficiency and communicate with confidence. Let's jump in. Vamos, allons-y. Hello, my friends. Bonjour, mes amis. Hola, mis amigos. Welcome to the World Language Classroom Podcast. I am Joshua Cabral, and thank you, as always, for taking the time out of your week to hang out with me and talk about language teaching and then bring that back into your classroom. It's just one of the many things that makes you an incredible educator. So thank you so much for doing that. So over the summer, I got a copy of Honing Our Craft, and this is a book that was recently published, and the editors of this volume, it's actually 12 chapters written by 12 different authors, but the editors are Florencia Henshaw and Kim Patowski. Now, these are names that when I see that they are publishing something, or that they have written something, or they have something to say, that I want to read it. So I got my hands on a copy of Honing Our Craft, and I got to reading it, and it is incredible. So I want to tell you a little bit about this book. So there are 12 chapters, and each are written by educators for educators, which means that there's a focus on bridging the gap between research and practical application. That is so much of what we need, and that's definitely the area that I've seen Florencia do a lot of her talking, is bridging that gap. So this particular volume that she put together with Kim Patowski is really useful for teachers, provides practical applications and suggestions for language educators, teachers, you, that you can adapt and use in your classroom in your particular context. So it really helps teachers grasp the fundamental aspects of language pedagogy, but then it offers that so much needed balance between research and practice. So as I've done in the past, when I find a book that I know will be useful for you, like I know this book is already being so useful for me, I reached out to the publisher and said, I want to talk about this on my podcast. I want to tell my listeners to go out and get this book. Could you possibly offer a discount for the book? And Clet World Languages, who's the publisher of the book, said, absolutely. So they're offering you a 25% discount on this book. So the link is in the show notes, and you can go directly there and use the discount code JOSHUA25HOC, which is for honing our craft. So that's all caps, like you're yelling it out. So Joshua, J-O-S-H-U-A, 25 
H-O-C, and you can get your own copy of this book. But let me tell you about it a little bit more so that you can really understand the way it's laid out and how useful it is. So there are 12 chapters, as I said, and they're written by different authors, but they were edited by Florencia and Kim. So the chapters are everything from accessibility in the language classroom, differentiated instruction, multiliteracies, comprehension-based communicative language teaching, which I'm going to talk about on this episode, project-based learning, virtual exchanges, standards-based grading, which I'm going to do a whole episode on next week, heritage language learning, and justice-oriented language curriculums, service learning, translanguaging, which is this great new concept that's out there, and intercultural citizenship. So within each chapter of the book, It is laid out in a way that makes it so applicable to our classrooms. And when I talk about the theme today, I'm going to actually go through the chapter on it, and you'll see, wow, that makes so much sense. So there's always this balance between theoretical insights and actionable strategies. It's really respectful of teachers. And I've actually heard from listeners that that's something they respect on this podcast, that we don't shy away from the theory, but we make it practical. So we don't just talk about the practical because the theory is too challenging, but we do a good job of balancing them. And this book, this volume, Honing Our Craft, definitely does that. So while it's putting the theory out there, it's also addressing real challenges faced by language educators. So in each chapter, it's laid out in several different sections, and each one follows it. So it starts with an abstract that says what the chapter's about, and then there's this whole section called contextualization, where it puts it in context. So it's what are the most common questions about this or challenges that need to be discussed, And then it gets into key terms and possible misconceptions. This is so useful when they get into the misconceptions. So considering what's out there, and then each author sort of confirms or refutes or debunks some of the stuff that's out there on the topic. And then there's demonstrations where there's at least two detailed examples of what is recommended so that readers can clearly understand and actually visualize how it might take place in their classroom. And then the last section is always these suggestions where they're really concrete suggestions for implementation and immediate use in your classroom. And I really like that the last part of each chapter has a do this and don't do that. So if you clearly understand what the whole chapter is about. It's do this and then don't do that. So what I want to do on the episode today is look at a topic that I'm very interested in, that a lot of us are interested in right now, and they actually have a chapter on this in the book. So I'm going to follow the structure of how they talk about it in this chapter. So this idea is about comprehension-based communicative language teaching. And actually, this was talked about on the episode I did with Ben Fisher last year, where we talked about, and it's CCLT, which is the short way of saying comprehension-based communicative language teaching. So this particular chapter is written by Claudia Fernandez, um, who is at the University of Illinois, Chicago. So in the abstract, uh, she starts the chapter by saying why it's important to know about this in the classroom, right? So that's clearly something that that's why it's in there. We wouldn't have this in this volume if it weren't important. So then it moves into the contextualization. So let's look at comprehension-based communicative language teaching in context and what it really is. So it all started with this whole theory of 
communicative language teaching. I don't know if it was a theory or an approach, but Claudia gets into this in the chapter in really talking about what communicative language teaching was and citing people like Sauvignon from 97 and of course Bill Van Patten, 2017. So she goes on to explain that communicative language teaching emphasized the importance of communication, which was a bit of a departure at the time. And then it moved into this idea of communicative competence. And we have to understand what communicative competence is citing people like Canelli and Swain from the early 80s, and then looking at the role of input, because that started gaining importance, right, in the 1970s, and that led to Krashen's input hypothesis, which was in the mid-80s, like 85, and he was saying things in his research, like understanding messages is essential and sufficient for language acquisition to occur. Part of this contextualization of comprehension-based communicative language teaching is to not ignore the fact that interaction and production also play a role. And that's citing some of the work of Long in 96 and Swain in 95. But the essential role is still input. And that is undeniable that the role of input is essential, but not ignoring the fact that interaction and production have also shown up in the literature, in the research. So you can see how Fernandez, Claudia Fernandez, contextualizes this whole idea of comprehension-based language teaching right there within the beginning of the chapter so that we really understand like where it came from. And then to finish out this contextualization, she puts out this idea of what she calls PPP, and it's presentation, practice, production, which is a more traditional, common way of going about language teaching, where you show something, students practice it, and then they produce it, right? And she points out that this is popular because it's conceptually easy to understand, it's easy to grade or assess, but accuracy is the main criteria for success. So taking that and saying that's what's happening sort of in our classrooms, that's what's been happening in our classrooms. So if we want to move into this comprehension-based communicative language teaching, that presentation practice production approach needs to be more aligned with how language is acquired. And a lot of our teaching or all of our teaching needs to be more aligned with the input being primary and then moving to the interaction and the output and then taking that idea of that PPP presentation practice production and really saying that that approach needs to be more aligned with how language is actually acquired. And when we look at communication and understanding messages and implicit knowledge, then that needs to be our focus rather than that PPP, that presentation practice production. So that's contextualizing this whole idea of what comprehension-based communicative language teaching is. And so in the next section, she gets into the key terms and misconceptions. And so we look at what communication is and really making sure that we do not think that communication is synonymous with oral production. And that's so often what teachers think, that communication means that you're speaking. But communication 
can be what you're understanding as well. But that whole idea of communication is only oral production is a reflection of that whole PPP thing where we're looking at presentation, practice, and production, right? And this has resulted in a heavy focus on production within current teaching practices, and it puts comprehension to a secondary role. And we know that that's really not what communication is now. We've seen that through how it has been contextualized. Claudia Fernandez cites Bill Van Patten here from 2017 saying that we should dispel the misconception that communication is only oral production and moving input to the center of the curriculum. So that doesn't mean that it's only input and only comprehension that's going to be happening in our classrooms. We want to start with input, so comprehensible input is the center, but then there will be eventual production with the language. There will be output, so that's not neglected, nor is grammar, because we can look at things like focus on form and structured input, which is a way of approaching grammar, just not in the traditional manner. So even though we are saying input is at the center, production does come and grammar does play a role. So that's, again, one of those misconceptions. Then we move on to the demonstrations in the chapter. And in the two examples that are given here, one is students select a restaurant menu for a group of friends with different dietary needs. So you can see that they are using these menus as a way to get some input. And then there is a goal with what they're doing with it. So it's starting with input and then moving to production. And then there's a second demonstration, which gets into a lot more detail if you actually read the chapter, about differences and similarities in the U.S. and Germany in the 1960s. It's a very specific example. So it does walk through some of the demonstrations and what that would look like. And then the final section is suggestions, where Fernandez gives us some suggestions as we are implementing comprehension-based communicative language teaching. And the first question that comes up as part of the suggestions is this question that teachers might have, that is, what if my textbook follows the PPP approach, which is the presentation practice production? How do I do this comprehension-based communicative language teaching if I have to use this textbook that's not based on that approach? So the first suggestion that we get is that we modify the activities so that they have a communicative goal. Because a lot of times in the books they might say it's a communicative activity, but it's really not. But you may be able to do a follow-up to the activity that makes it communicative. So it's not just name three things that you like to eat, but there's a reason that you're doing it. Like you're trying to find a place to go out and eat based on what you like. So it's giving it a communicative goal, even though the activity itself might not be so communicative. And then the other suggestion is to use any text that's in the chapter as a point of departure. So you can use that to find other things or cultural elements. So you can use it as, as a base. The other question that gets addressed is, what if my exams are grammar-based? 
that if within the district or within the department, everyone has to give the same exams, whether midterm or final, and they're not integrated performance assessments, they may be very grammar-based. And so what do we do in that situation? That's a reality of the classroom. That's one of the things that I really appreciate about this book is it looks at the reality of the classroom. Like, yes, we wanna do this comprehension-based communicative language teaching, But what if I still have to give this grammar exam at the end? What do I do? And so I really appreciate the fact that we take that on in this book. So Claudia Fernandez in this chapter suggests that we set aside time for grammar explanation, knowing full well that it is preparing them for this exam that they have to take. And then promoting friendly conversations with colleagues so that we can sort of get everyone on board if they're not. And then I would even say get yourself involved in the planning of these assessments so that you can have a say or a lens that is more communicative on them. So again, I really appreciate how this comes up in the chapter because it is the reality of a lot of teachers in the classroom that really want to do this work of comprehension-based communicative language teaching, but are still held to giving these assessments or these exams that have more of a grammar focused. So we can't neglect that, right, for our students. We still have to support our students and just, again, trying to be a part of that change and having those friendly conversations with colleagues. And I always go back to what John Bracey said last year. He's a Latin teacher in Massachusetts. He was on the podcast last year, and I asked him, what are some suggestions for teachers who want to be communicative and comprehension-based in their classroom, but that's not really the curriculum that they're in? And he said, well, the first thing is to not get fired. Because if you get fired, nobody's doing the work, right? So that's always the first thing. And so I love this here. Like Claudia Fernandez is not saying, oh, just ignore it, you know, because we do need to keep our jobs and our students do have to do well on these exams. So it's this idea of setting aside time for the grammar explanations and understanding why we're doing it. So at the end of this chapter, which is chapter four, it's actually entitled What is and What is Not Comprehension-Based Communicative Language Teaching, Claudia Fernandez gives us the quick and easy do's and don'ts about what we should be doing in our classroom if we truly want to engage in comprehension-based communicative language teaching. So she says to speak the target language most of the class time. Like, make that your goal. Like, start this week with that. I always like a this week goal. And then she suggests that we make input activities meaningful. And if you're using a textbook that isn't so much on the communicative activities, that you try to find those extension activities where you can make them meaningful. And then she says, don't forget that accuracy is developed gradually, so don't try to push it by explaining things a little too early. Don't forget that comprehension is communication. Remember, we had that misconception that oral production is communication, but comprehension is also communication. So to make sure that that's even part of our assessments as well. And then she says, don't plan classes around grammar points. Grammar is a tool and not a goal. 
So I always like to look at when you're doing a lesson, when you're doing a whole unit, you figure out what students need to do at the end of that unit. What are the can-do statements? And then I like to look back at what are the structures they'll need to do that. So therefore, the grammar is a tool to complete that can-do statement. So just a quick recap of Honing Our Craft, which is edited by Florencia Henshaw and Kim Patowski. And each chapter, again, is by a different author, and there are 12 of them, but edited by Florencia and Kim. And next week, I am going to continue on talking about this so that you can gain some more insight. Um, So hopefully you learned a lot about this idea of comprehension-based communicative language teaching. And next week, we're going to look at standards-based grading for proficiency in the classroom as well. And as I did last year when I talked about Florencia's other book, I will be speaking with Florencia Henshaw and Kim Patowski um, in a couple of weeks as well. So we can talk about how they came up with the theme for this book. And just remember that I really recommend that you get this book because it's incredibly insightful and useful. And there's a link in the show notes to get your own copy of Honing Our Craft. And remember that Clet World Languages is being really generous and offering us 25% off the book. Just make sure that you use the link in the show notes and to use the discount code JOSHUA25HOC, all caps. So be sure to check out the show notes where you'll also see the link to sign up for Talking Points, my weekly email newsletter with tips and resources for language teaching. And there are also links to get in touch with me if you would like to work together either in person in your school or remotely. So I will talk to you soon. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the World Language Classroom Podcast. Be sure to follow or subscribe wherever you're listening so that you never miss an episode. Let's keep the conversation going on social media. Connect with me on X, aka Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at WL Classroom. And for even more valuable resources, visit my website, wlclassroom.com, where you'll find over 300 blog posts about language teaching. So stay inspired, keep growing, and continue making a difference in your language classroom. 